today we are back again with Sheila to talk about a very interesting time of her life. We are going to be talking all about your cafe. So for those who don't know, Sheila ran a cafe for a couple of years. Yeah, it was about three years. Yeah, in Ponsonby, which if you don't know Ponsonby, it's a very upmarket area of Auckland. Very expensive. Very expensive. Very bougie. Very bougie. (laughs) Yeah, so do you want to start by telling me just how the concept of the cafe came about and why you even wanted to do the cafe? Yeah, I've actually been reflecting a lot about the whole experience and it wasn't just I woke up and wanted a cafe. I don't think people understood that I had been doing Smart Space for five years And I started that very young. I was 25 years old and really learning from the bottom up in terms of running a team, working with a business partner. As you know, Smart Space, we started with four of us. And only in the last most recent years have we really expanded in so many other areas. So I felt like I was doing the same thing a lot and getting very complacent with some of my work. And I just didn't feel like I was creative enough. James always refers Sheila to Sheila before the cafe and Sheila after the cafe. And I think I was very naive and young. And so he didn't trust all my ideas and where I wanted to take the business. So I kind of got to a point where I was so sick of fighting for things that I was like, I'm going to go do my own thing. Being very naive, I didn't talk to him about any of this. I was just like, I'm such a doer. So I was like, I'm going to do whatever my heart wants. (laughs) And that's where I met my business partner in the cafe. And we discussed just having a small dessert place. It would just be a hole in the wall. It wasn't going to be anything big. She was going to be pretty much the main shareholder and I would just be a silent partner. So I could do smart space and that on the side. And then, yeah, it kind of blew up into something much bigger than that. We got a couple other people involved. So there was four of us and we found the lease in Ponsonby. Can I ask you a couple of questions about why you didn't feel like you could tell James about what you wanted to do and what it was that you clashed over? I'm such a visionary. I have such big ideas. And because he's nearly, how many, 20 years older than me? He didn't understand I'm so creative and passionate outside of just work and I want to bring all of myself into that. So I would want to do retreats and I wanted to do talk to like amazing people, just do so much more with my life. And so I would always come up with these ideas and he'd be like, no, no, no. So I was so sick of hearing that. My communication skills back then were so underdeveloped. I couldn't really use my voice, and I think people don't realize how much work I've done since then in managing people. Like, you really just wing it along the way. And what I realized is I needed actual professional help, which is a therapist and someone that actually validates my feelings. And James isn't that person, so I couldn't expect him. Does he listen to this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Clearly not. (laughs) So he doesn't know all this other stuff that I do to actually manage personalities like him. And I think that's the biggest awareness as a leader that you really have to look internal. And if you're not getting things from other people in different ways that you need, you kind of need to look at yourself. Okay, so you and your business partner found the lease in Ponsonby, did the shop up, it was real cute, everything, <laughs> you know, you got you have your contacts in the in that space. Um so 
I, guess... I don't think you realise how bad it was, Teo. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it wasn't all cute and fluffy roses. Um, it was a gelato store, and we kind of ran it as a gelato store for a little bit while we tried to think of up of concepts because it was going to be a matcha dessert place. So we were sourcing matcha from Japan and then we renovated it quickly because, as you know, I'm in the commercial fit-out space. So I was able to turn it around in probably like three to four weeks. And then it became, yeah, a cafe because no one was really into matcha <laughs> in Ponsonby. So, yeah, we didn't do any research, to be honest about what would fit in that space and it was huge it was two levels we were going to make upstairs into an airbnb where people could live in it just to help cover the rent the kitchen was so massive that the seating space wasn't enough to cover you know it was like eight thousand dollars a month rent um, which is horrendous <laughs> so yeah we did that and then the two um, other shareholders exited because they didn't want to be involved and that's where I was 30% and this my partner was 70%. And then she had a mental breakdown. <laughs> she said, I can't do this and you can take over 100%. I don't know what the hell I was thinking to think I should do that. I should have just let it go at that point and sold it. But no, Sheila thought... I'll manage this. So, yeah. Do you look back on that time? Because I know that you also had a lot of people around you Mm. being like, Sheila, you need to sell it. You need to get rid of it ASAP. I have no idea what I was thinking. I think it was easier just to take over than have to deal with trying to sell it. And my mind was not clear. It was not in a good space. I really didn't have anybody to talk to about it because I blamed myself a lot. I was like, you wanted a challenge. You wanted to grow yourself outside of smart space. So this is teaching you something. So take this as a lesson. I really found my true character and resilience because I would wake up in such fear of how I was going to pay the bills, what I was going to make of this. I had no chefs, no no staff. I was trying to hire people on the whim. I wasn't even physically there all the time. Ultimately, I just got so many different people into it to help me. I got friends that needed a job. I got some lots of Japanese. I don't know why Japanese applied a lot, but lots of Japanese baristas. And it became like a salad bar one day and then it'd be a I don't know how many different concepts there were. I would door knock and see if anyone wanted to rent the space at night, you know, hold events. And then ultimately my sister Lulu, who is a pastry chef, basically, yeah, just was able to save me. And she came in, gave up her life and business and just made everything from scratch and really helped me with my overheads. I paid her such minimum wage. I ultimately ended up moving into the cafe upstairs so I could rent out my apartment. All my family just helped me so much and even my spin crew, which is hilarious, they would come and support me every weekend. I guess it's the benefit of having A, a big family and also B, such a, like, so many different communities around you. Yeah, and it really pushed me to get out of my comfort zone. I would, you know, door knock and send out pamphlets. And I even did Chinese classes upstairs, even though it didn't make me any money. I was like, I've got a free space, use it. There would be like photo shoots. We painted upstairs to make it into an event space. Anything you could think of, I was open to it. And I think 
that's what I realized. Like a cafe doesn't need to be what everyone thinks. You can just put your spin and creativity. And yeah, we really did create a community. People would pop in, see all my sisters. And that's a joy I got out of it, to be honest. It didn't make me money, <laughs> but <laughs> no. it definitely, it sparked something in people that I still remember to this day. You know, they thanked me for how amazing the muffins and coffees were. <laughs> and I was like, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the work I had to get through. <laughs> so how much stress did you really go through during that time? Oh my God, Teo, so much stress. You don't know how stressful smart space was and because I didn't have a good relationship with James or my team anymore I was so disconnected so really I wasn't doing anything well and maybe that's just my perspective and people saw me as managing and I was able to hide that quite a lot but yes smart space for me wasn't going well I felt I wasn't valued anymore because I was trying to make this cafe afloat I wasn't able to pay my bills as you as you know, like I had to borrow money from friends. And that is the most degrading thing. When you've built a business, then my parents were obviously scolding me, uh, saying, why did you do this? Like, you didn't ask anyone. You didn't get any advice. There was a lot of criticism around that. And I already know how much, how bad it is. And, you know, I don't feel like I needed more of that. <laughs> yeah, how does that make you feel when already you know, uh, deep down, that it wasn't the best way to approach it and then having people around you pointed out to you all the time. <laughs> Maybe I'm used to that. Um, yeah, it's very lonely, but you just have to take responsibility. Seriously, it's like, this is the choice I made. So you've just got to deal with it. And then obviously my mother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer during this time. So that was just another addition layer of stress where Again, I felt really bad because we were working in this cafe and we weren't able to support her at the hospital. My sister Lulu, she would just have to work crazy hours and then would go straight to the hospital after. I remember the landlord demanding me for money and I just was like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, Did you actually say that? I remember writing some very stern emails to be like, this is the least of my problems right now. And just remembering that they don't give a shit what you're going through in life. They don't give a shit that your mum's got six months to live. They want their money paid. And I think that was the harsh reality of you can't feel sorry for yourself. So, yeah, trying to manage all that. There is light at the end of the tunnel, and I sit here and reflect, and you know how much I've changed and transformed the way I think about things. And, yeah, I just don't hold any resentment or guilt around those decisions because it's made me such a better person and I needed that to be honest. In what ways do you think it's really changed the way you think and the way you do things? Definitely I've slowed down a lot in my decisions and I was such a dreamer that I thought I can do anything and it will be a success. I think that was being a bit naive and maybe a lot a lot of ego as well. So I've really slowed down my thinking. I ask myself, do I really want to invest so much time and energy into this? Like, what am I going to get out of it? I was craving creativity and maybe a community and people that supported me. It doesn't mean I needed to open a cafe to get that. Mm. Um, so do you think it was less about opening the cafe and more about creating that community and support network around you? 
Yes, and doing something outside of smart space. That was something I was really craving and I was sick of asking permission from James for every decision when it came to the business. And now I think I needed to do that for him to realize I'm not going to sit and wait for you to tell me what to do in life. I'm going to do it regardless of what you think. But yeah, I've taken a lot of his advice (laughs) and his maturity. How did you come to the decision to finally stop the cafe? I had been running it nearly three years and I had tried to sell it so many times, but nobody was going to take over a lease that was so expensive. So even for like zero dollars, I said, please take it, anybody. Mm. (laughs) So it wasn't like I didn't try. And then I was like, you know what, Sheila, you need to go into 2020 with a clear mind. You want to invest so much into smart space and you know that's your passion and what you're good at. So it's time to let go. So I contacted the property owners and said, I want to surrender my lease. And yeah, we came up with the deal and I paid $50,000 to get rid of probably two years left, which I was liable to about $150,000. January 2020, I closed that chapter and it was amazing. And then COVID hit. So good timing. It was. I was so blessed because there's no way they would have let me off had that actually happened. And yeah, it was the best decision. So you just mentioned that you had to pay 50 grand to get out of the lease, Mm -hmm. but that was on top of also everything that you had lost, right? Mm. And you don't have to say the amount, but it was quite a lot of money. I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think how much I had invested was about $250,000 all up. And I don't think people realize the magnitude of how much things cost on a commercial kitchen So yeah, that's how much I lost and I sold a property (laughs) to get rid of some debt, but it's taught me so much that I can't pay for. Yeah, and and in hindsight, I think it's so easy to sort of draw parallels or sort of see how things lead to things. For example, when you bought those properties... Did you ever think, oh, yeah, I'm going to like keep it as backup to one day pay off my debts? Like, no, of course not, right? But you had those there and you were able to use that to your advantage. Exactly. And I think that's what people say, like, keep fat on your ribs for a rainy day. And, yeah, I really need to, to draw on that. I should be so blessed to say I even had that or I would be way worse off. What do you think you would have done if you didn't, if you weren't able to sell a property? Oh, geez, Tao. <laughs> Let's not think about what if. I have no idea. Probably declare bankrupt, sell some shares in smart space. <laughs> and make those tough decisions. Yeah, but I think entrepreneurs will always find a way and they don't see every drawback as failures but lessons. And I think that is what I'm so inspired about entrepreneurs who just get up every time and try again. So that's my biggest thing. People that go on about what they want to do, but they never actually try. So I can say I tried. Yeah, for sure. You definitely tried. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe for longer than you needed to. (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) Tao. Just in case you forgot. (laughs) Okay, so how is your relationship with your Smart Space team and with James now? Oh, it's the best it's ever been. 
because yeah, I think I needed to get away from the business and for them to actually appreciate what I bring and vice versa. Like I appreciate James so much more now in terms of working with a terrible business partner and seeing how little some people do. And he's actually, yeah, really good at money, (laughs) which is what I clearly lack. (laughs) Yeah. So just make sure you get a good business partner who has different strengths and weaknesses and you really bounce off each other. I used to see that as like, oh, this man doesn't understand me. But really, it's been the best thing because I see things he'll never see and vice versa. Mm, It's quite a complimentary relationship. Yeah, now I see it as complimentary. But back then, the younger self was like, oh, we're opposites. This is very frustrating. You felt stifled. Stifled. And I was just talking to a brick wall sometimes. (laughs) But yeah, I guess my mindset was very negative back then. I should have been a lot more grateful for what I had and how much I'd done already. Again, it's that perspective, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Did you end up talking to him about where this frustration came from and does he help to nurture that creativity for you now? Absolutely. We actually had one of our most heartbreaking (laughs) conversations where I cried and you know me, I don't show emotion. Mm. And it was that breakdown of like, you don't understand me and this is what happens when you don't fucking listen. Mm. (laughs) So when you don't feel heard or seen or respected as women, I think that is our biggest downfall. Our heart is so invested in everything. Now he knows when it's important for me to talk about things because he used to say, I used to come up with a million different ideas. And so none of it really stuck for him. But when he knows it's important to me, and I say that specifically, this is important, he really values that. And I guess he has also learned a lot along the way as well, right? He's learned so much, especially female emotions (laughs) and also my dreams. I really feel like I've taken Smart Space to that next level because of all the things, all the doors I've opened in such a different way. He sees that and he values all the networks and relationships and the (laughs) heart-centered things I bring to the business. So if somebody was or would find themselves in the future in sort of a similar situation to how you were with the cafe, Mm -hmm. what would you or what advice would you offer them? Do you mean that they want to do something on their own? More like if they were sort of, if they felt like they were stuck in a situation with a business, for example. That they want to get out of? Yeah. Definitely talk to the right people. Talk to people in that industry and get advice. I had no experience about a cafe, so that's where I talked to other cafe owners or baristas or, yeah, just really do your research and get the right people to help you get out of it. And I think this is quite uh, maybe a common problem, especially for entrepreneurs and small business owners, but, you know... You might be on a path with your business where you kind of feel like nothing is working and nothing is sticking. How can you tell at what point you need to just throw in the towel and to just, you know, cut your losses as opposed to keeping going? Yeah, I think people don't realize how hard it is for like new businesses to survive, don't they say? Probably like 90% of them shut down after the first two to three years. 
I would say you would know by the two to three year mark in terms of are you making money. And I think that's something people don't want to talk about when it comes to business. They think money is greed or profit is such a bad word, but it really isn't. And it's made me realize you need to be profitable. You can't just be this amazing leader who's so nice to all your staff and not make money because ultimately that's what we're doing. Money is an exchange of energy, I believe, and also valuing yourself for what you're worth. So I think if you're not being paid for what you're worth and you're not really getting anything out of it, I think it's time to close that chapter. Is it something that along with the evidence you just kind of feel as well? Yeah, if you're not waking up and getting joy from it anymore, I think you're doing the wrong thing. There's different paths that you can go down. You can take the easy way or the long way. And I think we all put this narrative that life needs to be hard. But I wake up every day and I just know that I'm meant to be doing smart space because for me, it's quite effortless now. And I've put so much of my soul and energy into it and you can see it. With regards to the other issue that sort of prompted your venture into the cafe in the first place, so that that lack of creativity and feeling like you were being heard and respected... I think a lot of people go through that many times in their life, especially with regards to work. Mm-hmm. What do you say to someone who might be in that same position now? I say take breaks. You need to get out of your business to actually see what's working and what's not. I think so many of us get into the daily grind of being there 24-7, saying I have to work all the time, but it actually does not help and it fogs your brain. So for me, I take many breaks away. I journal a lot. I talk to other people in different industries to really talk about things outside of just work. You get so focused on your industry sometimes that, again, it's perspective. Do you feel like following your experience with the cafe, did you, or what, or rather, what was your reaction or response or initial emotions following closing the cafe? I've never felt so free. (laughs) I was like trapped in a prison. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I know that may be dramatic, but people don't realize how I don't cook. (laughs) I don't know how to make coffee. It's something so foreign to me. And I felt a fish out of water. Yeah, I remember, I think you were telling me when you had just opened and you guys ran out of food or something to serve and then one of you had to go down to like countdown <laughs> to go buy some food. <laughs> That's just the shit we had to do. And people ask me now, like, can you make a coffee? I'm like, hell no. <laughs> and I say that with pride because that was not what I went into it being, mm. you know? Okay, so I guess to sum it all up, what do you think are the greatest lessons then that you took out of that experience? For young people, I think we get so excited about change and having lots of stuff in our lives, especially when it comes to careers. You know, we try so many different things, but I think just for me, follow the things that make you happy and give you passion, even if it's being an accountant and people think that's boring and basic or whatever that is. No no shade, by the way, to all accountants out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but people think you have to have this amazing creative role and be all these things. But you don't. Like, if you really, truly love doing what you do 
and you bring all of yourself to that, I think that's enough. Yeah, and you mentioned before as well um, about ego. Mm -hmm. I think people still, a lot of people have a lot of pride and ego around things like making money and their careers and stuff. But Their status. Yeah, their status, but is that really important? Mm, Yeah, I think a lot of us are doing things for outside validation. And you just need internal peace. I know this is very spiritual, but I've just come out of a spiritual weekend. <laughs> oh, God. And it's all about like surrendering um, and letting the universe tell you. <laughs> Take from that what you will. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing a bit about that experience. Um, I, I know that it was a very difficult time for you, even just like watching from afar, because I was overseas at the time, but we would catch up regularly and... I always said to myself, so I'm like, I can't believe like Sheila's going through all of that because it was like the cafe and then Smart Space because um, you were having issues with your team as well. And then mm. it was the, uh, your mum being sick. And I'm like, damn, like, <laughs> how is she not breaking down every week? <laughs> oh, honey, <laughs> if only you yeah. knew. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Not Your Token Minority. If you or someone you know are interested in sharing your story with me or just having a good old chat, then visit notyourtokenminority.com and fill in the form at the bottom. I really appreciate your support, so don't forget to subscribe, leave a review and follow on social media. Just search for Not Your Token Minority Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.